0: Three, two, one. Hello, and welcome back to another edition of A Humanistic Perspective. Today, I am so fortunate to be joined with Claudia Monacelli. Claudia, thank you for joining me today. Folks, we have an amazing episode for you. Claudia is a linguist interpreter. (laughs) She's a median. She's a YouTuber. She's a professor. There's so much to explore here. Claudia, thank you for joining me today.
1: You know, you said I'm a linguist with the way you 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 pronounced my name. Well, you have a future. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, everyone keeps saying that to me. They're like, wow, you have a very good voice for radio. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> so I love to. Thanks for to
1: having show. me. Thanks for having me here.
0: Of course, yes. Um, So I want to start the show by going back to your childhood. I want to sort of explore your life. Let's get to know you and understand you. I know you are uh, not the first generation media and interpreter in the family. I would love to explore that dynamic in your childhood. So if we could, where were you raised? What was life like during your younger years? Let's start there.
1: Okay. Okay. So I literally came off the boat. Uh, My parents decided to um, immigrate to the United States because, Mm. well, because my father was a prisoner of war, World War II, taken by the English, went to India eight years, you know, the whole bit. And when he finally escaped, came back, got my mom, got married, had a kid, my older sister. And then when I was born, They decided to move to the United States. His father was there. And so I was six months old, got on the boat, went to to Ellis Island, and my mom was sick the entire time. And he had me, he was changing, they didn't have diapers there. So you (laughs) could imagine. And plus, my older sister was four, and the whole time she was there. When she got there, uh, she found out she was pregnant and he said, it wasn't me. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> so that's the beginning. That's the beginning. Wow. So um, literally when we um, grew up, we were growing up. So I hadn't, you know, I didn't speak yet Italian, but of course they were talking Italian to us mm. and us sisters were speaking English and Than you know speaking to them in English and so this went on and on and on and uh we grew up in the city really hardcore city Patterson New Jersey you know that movie Patterson with Adam Driver Uh, is that yeah with Patterson yeah it's 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 with Adam Driver and um it was a really really industrial city I grew up in front of the factories and uh, the, the falls I could remember eating um uh, meatball sandwiches against the fall, against the house, looking up between the factories, these fireworks, gorgeous. <laughs> wow. And, and so that was, you know, the beginning until we hit the suburbs and, and, uh, they were supposed to run a highway where we lived and they invited us to leave. And so we went to, you know, the next town over probably total Wayne area, new Northern New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we hit the suburbs and the suburbs, you know, didn't have a beat like Patterson had. I mean, I I could remember I was five years old with a a nickel in my pocket and I went to Woolworths to get an ice cream all by myself, (laughs) walked seven blocks. I couldn't do that in in Totoa, you know? Um, Please don't, don't (laughs) all those Totoa fans out there. (laughs) So for me, you know, the suburbs were really very uh, illuminating because, you know, all of a sudden there was a school And there was this rah, rah high school and, and friends and the social life. I was, you know, most popular in eighth grade with my boyfriend and, uh, you know, all of these things, all of these social things and, um, when we got to high school, it was sort of a tri uh, city area and we get to the high school and, and you get into, you know, the football team and the basketball team. And I was a head baton twirler
0: and a cheerleader for certain seasons, you know, the whole. Now at this whole... time, can you smoke cigarettes in school? Are kids smoking cigarettes in school? Is this like, well, you know, and grease? you know, this, I,
1: it's funny that you say that because when I was thinking this morning about, about this episode, mm. I thought to myself, I wonder if I'm going to tell him when I was smoking menthol cigarettes with <laughs> Nina and Kathy behind the
0: balloon factory. See, yeah, no, my, I, <laughs> I vividly remember like my grandmother and that telling me that her and her her girls club, they did the same thing. They would all go out with the menthol cigarettes too. Yeah. The men- Why menthol? I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe just marketing. Maybe it was like, Ooh, this is, it feels Right, good. right. Cool. Cool. Yeah. yeah it's cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a girls. Yeah, like you said, the girls club. Mm. Uh, funny. And but well, part of the girls club, I have to say, and you can close one year, uh, all through the last three years, well, you could call it middle school, seven, eighth, you know, six, seven, eighth grade. Our girls' club were exchanging boyfriends. You know, I went out with Rob and then she went out with Rob. And how was the night? So that was very common. Oh,
0: that's so funny. Yeah, that is such funny. youngins.
1: Yeah, I love it. Yeah, same. I could remember spin the bottle in my parents' basement. You know, mm. <laughs> really funny. So, um, what was and-
0: your first experience during your childhood with? I guess median worker your parents um okay okay your mother uh, with, when i said the third cards.
1: generation well uh, i started way back when in the boat and all of that because i had mm-hmm. to bring in the fact my father had been a prisoner of war and sure. he i grew up with um stories of um of séances that they used to have uh, mm-hmm. uh with other prisoners and And he would always, you know, I was the one who listened most. So he would always say, so the story kept repeating itself. I swear to you, Claudia, that table raised, our hands were on the table and it raised, you know? And so you hear it once, you hear it twice. And I'm thinking, should I believe this stuff? You know, know, could I believe it? Can I believe it? And, um, And so that he had it from one of his, uh, well, from his mom, his, his, it's funny, his mom was a twin and his father was a twin and they both married twins. So they wow. were the two sisters and the two brothers. Yeah, well, uh, and so that, this this um, seance business started then, but he was in, in the stories that he used to tell us. But my experience with spirits Mm. literally started in the Catholic church. And I have to say that before I um, was starting before start, I guess, six years old, you start in first grade, I I, I can't remember, but it was way before those four or five, sixth grade when we would go to church. And I, I could remember holding my hand by father's hand. And I just looked up and you know how there are frescoes in the church. Mm. All of a sudden, these they come, came out of the, the fresco, out of the wall, out of the vaults, and started wow. dancing with each other and you know, singing in it that it looked like they were jumping through each other, you know, mm-hmm. fornicating literally. Wow. And that's, you know, the beginning. That was the first uh, vision that I ever had. And my dad what? was waking, what
0: Claudia was saying to me. What was what was your perception of it psychologically after that experience? Were you frightened during it? Were you not at all? Confused? Because I was too young or... to
1: be, I was too young to be frightened. Mm. And like I said, you know, it, it made me think of fornicating. And of course mm. at four years old, you don't think of that, but I knew there was, there was communion there. There was movement. And of course they were spirits. Wow. What happened after that was very, very particular because our We lived in, like I said, Patterson, and we were close yeah. to this church, St. Michael's Church. And I would go in the afternoons, and I have to say today, I'm not a practicing Catholic. I have left it behind, but, yeah. you know, I have a lot of experiences in that linked to that church. And I uh, would sit in one of the pews and I would just watch, just sit there because it was a time when nobody came and everything was quiet. And I liked that. I liked to see that, you know. And what would happen was I would look at the altar and it were what I kept seeing was a scene, not like a nativity scene, but people walking across from the left to the right, talking, arguing, raising their hands, moving as if I were watching a puppet show. Mm. And uh, it was really interesting because it, it didn't scare me. Because I still I was too young to be scared, I think. What I did was then go home and start writing a line, a poem, uh saying they in Italian, actually, it was in Italian. Wow. Uh they'd entered, they they bowed and they would leave. And that was inter stretching the interpretation. And then I started writing poetry that was um. I, don't, I think it was form poetry. it's called where if you're writing about a tree it takes the position of a tree, the the form of a tree and things like that mm,
0: yes, but, I understand what but
1: um the the odd things that happened after that was when i fainted in church when i when this type of thing was going on and I would just boom boom, boom blank out. And at the time, the first time it happened, there was an older woman next to me. And the second time it happened, there was a, a church full of, of people. And it happened even when I was older, you know, in my um, uh, college years, uh, mm-hmm. that I would be concentrating on something and I just lose my senses. And um, then I really realized early on that the state that you um, perceive these things It's an altered state. Okay, it is an altered state. But you have to control that altered state, you just can't go fainting everywhere, right. And if you're going to use it, you have to make it functional to learning, because for me, learning is everything. I need to learn what I'm doing so I, I can do what I'm doing, you know, right. or that I can know what I'm doing. Because if you know what you're doing, you can do whatever you want. You know, this is, this is something I firmly believe in. And um, so it it started slowly, you know, our first Ouija board. Uh, and I have a really funny story there.
0: Oh, go into uh, it. Let's hear us, that.
1: Three girls, three sisters. Okay. The, the one with the But that was pregnant on the boat, Mm -hmm. uh, me and my older sister. And we got this first Hasbro toys uh, uh, Ouija board on the (laughs) steps of our house. Commercial Ouija
0: boards.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. And uh, we were sitting and we were asking stupid questions, you know, who are going because my sister, my older sister was uh, 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 sort of not chubby, but she was forming. She had her Mm -hmm. she was developing. Yeah. And I was not, and then my younger sister was a toothpick. So we were asking the Ouija board. Okay, tell us who are going to have the largest tits. We said tits. We <laughs> didn't have. We didn't say breasts. We said tits, and it went right to Anna. And we were rolling on the floor. I. I mean, we were rolling on like the floor. Like it actually so moved squiggly. itself. Well, yeah, of course. The it went to spell Anna, and. Wow. We were laughing like crazy because she was so, so, so skinny. We laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. I swear to you, she is the most formidable woman of the three. She is. Oh. <laughs> And often we'll tell each other, don't you remember on the steps? <laughs> <That's
0: Sure. it. laughs> now, when you were having these experiences, um, like passing out in the church and that, were you telling your parents, your father in that? Because you said he, you know, you understood about the seances, about his about the culture, and then you were starting to write. Were you going, hey, dad, No, I
1: think I'm No, seeing- I didn't. No, I didn't. Neither to my mother, neither to my father who had mm-hmm. spoken to me about the occult. And my mother, I had no clue of, all I knew was that my mother was playing solitaire all the time. Uh, (laughs) When she passed, there were uh, over a hundred deck of cards hidden in all nooks and crannies of the house. And we were were shocked. And we understood that because you just didn't talk about that kind of thing. She couldn't Mm -hmm. have been playing solitaire, all that. You know, it's something that was not spoken of. So that's how it started. And um the, the the way that it developed is that I realized that, like you said, you keep asking me about being frightful. Mm. Weren't you afraid? Weren't you afraid? No, I have to say I was never afraid, never really afraid, not even when once it was about seven years ago. It was one of the coldest winters on the East Coast. I was there for a, February um in New Jersey and it was so it was like 20 yeah, degrees below zero, it was really, really cold. And I was in the lower parts of the house and I kept feeling this swishing past me, swishing past me. And I thought, oh my god, there, there can't be any windows open, you know. And I knew that there was a poltergeist there and still didn't get to me. I just wow. got rid of it, you know. Um, but uh, it, it does what does affect me is when I channel with clients mm. and I offer, of course, the interpretation, what is communicated to them, and and it's not things that I could know about them. I could not know the information I'm giving them, right? when they just fall apart and cry, that's, they always used to say that, you know, and then, and saying right. that is, I felt like I was talking to them. I felt, then sometimes I get the hair on my skin mm. stands on end a little bit because it's surprising more than anything. It's not really fear.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. Is there a part of your life that maybe has become you've become desensitized to because you are a median and you can see and live with with spirits. Is there a part of that experience that someone who maybe doesn't have that experience um, could learn or pick up? For example, like someone with pitch, perfect pitch, they go their whole life understanding and hearing pitches and someone who doesn't have that would have no recognition, but their whole experience is desensitized to understanding pitches perfectly. <laughs>
1: You have something um, when, like when you talk about desensitizing, um, and I'm thinking I could never be desensitized. I am a really hot
0: headed Italian.
1: <laughs> I mean, everybody <laughs> tells me that <laughs> I'm really hot headed. I, I flare up um, in terms of other people, because a lot of people come to me, they want to be trained, you know, they want me to mentor them. And um there is a process, of course. And I really do feel that you can learn anything.
0: Wow, um, so anyone can become a medium?
1: I believe that anyone can learn to do just about anything. However, there is the Maxime, and I truly believe this, that if you cannot imagine it, you cannot do it, okay? For example, if I say to my friend, come on, you're going to start learning how to dance salsa. No, I can't, I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't. Well, what about play the piano? No, 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 I can't, I can't. And I said, why? And he said, well, because I can't even imagine it you know i can't even think that i could possibly do that um it's it's a little tricky it, it's like saying okay chad i know that you could be a doctor you would be a great surgeon because i know that you have the ability to understand how incision is incision is done how it goes around you can get around certain um certain organs and pull them out without uh, killing anybody in the meantime and um of course i'd have to know that you were also uh, uh, unfazed by blood by the sight of blood you know uh, i surely could be a surgeon if i <laughs> I, mean, I could imagine it perfectly but um yeah i do really do think that um there was a uh, because i also have my own post- podcast night every now and then uh at least one couple a week i interview um guests and one of the guests said to me um well do you uh understand when you are when something is coming to you do you feel like uh do uh, you have a premonition of something that's like a, about like a text notification
0: or something right a
1: text notification <laughs> or something and I thought to myself I said to her you know I have to live I've got to eat and I have to go to the supermarket I've got to pay bills I can't I can't just keep my feelers out for all this garbage you know <laughs> right, right. And, and you have to be able to get information when you want it and not be amenable to downloads anytime the spirits want to throw something your way you know mm-hmm. um and and uh of course i have a certain perspective i have a certain way of thinking and a lot of people don't i mean a lot of people think that if you meditate if you close your eyes put in a sitting position put on that incense and just wait something's going to happen and I, I it's not the way that happens to me because if i'm concentrating i have to be in silence that is my meditation and and i'm not going to use any kind of app to meditate for sure you know um but, but it is, I do really do feel that uh, uh, people can um, become healers and um, mediums. One of my guests uh, asked me about this. And I said, you know, she said, because you just don't learn it anywhere. And I said, no, you're wrong, because there is, uh, there has been until uh, three months ago, actually, in uh, Switzerland, uh, a Quarterly seminar. I guess you can call it a not a seminar, a, a retreat mm. for mediums who go and exchange their experiences. So they have um, not that they're n- meant to be learning anything, but to know that there are other people like them. Because we get a bad name. I mean, people tell us they, we really do have a way a of defining
0: name. a hoax. If you were at this convention, can you tell if someone was was playing you rather than actually being?
1: If I, asked, uh, if I asked a question to someone and they yeah. gave me an answer and I didn't, didn't believe it, um, I don't know, because I've never been in that um, position. But right. in my case, I would never go to ask someone something like that. And mm-hmm. so the idea of accusing someone that it's a hoax
0: is foreign, very foreign to me. Right.
1: Why would they want to do that?
0: Sure. I especially mean, if they want to help uh, someone or you have know, a message from someone. Yeah.
1: Right. I mean, we're not going to become wealthy by, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not interested in going to the stars, even though Hollywood star, I, I have had my share of stars come to me. Sure. I'm not interested in, you know, getting raking up millions to tell people about the, mm. you know, the other side as the metaphor goes, but um. People need to know that this is is possible. People need to know that there are more spirits around us than people. And and that it's possible to communicate with them. You feel a vibration. You feel their energy. And you know when something is not right. If I go into a room, what I can say, Chad, is if I ask a question and I I, I feel negative energy from that person, I'm out of there. Now, you know, if you walk into a hall where this is happening, you know, that something's off, you're gone, you know, right. because it usually happens. Negative energy comes in these kind of uh, kinds of gatherings in shamanic uh, um, g- groups. That's when the, the, the negativity flies, really. Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. I wanted to to sort of ask and break down is. Would you say there are any other philosophies or thought processes? Like I think back to the, um, to a species of Tibetan monks that lived up in the mountains during like the freezing periods when they had no access to food for months and months and months, Mm -hmm. and they would just meditate to survive. Is the are they accessing a similar mental space that you are from a neurological perspective? Do you think, or do you know, I
1: I believe so because it it is a cultural difference. They come from a culture that I don't uh, uh, come. If I, if I, I mean, I do practice um, intermittent fasting on a regular basis, but to go uh, and fast because I needed to access information for me is ridiculous. You know, in my culture, I, 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 I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't need to do that. However, right. I can't do certain things on, an, on a full stomach, for example, <laughs> that kind of uh, uh, information, yes. But um, there are practices before I go into a channeling session on my YouTube channel. I do have to cleanse. I do have to recite invocations. I do have to protect myself, and I mm. regularly forget, and I come away with a pain in my knee. And no you know, way. I, yeah, yeah, it happened. I mean, yes, yes. And I have to clear myself. I have to go to my energy woman, and she has to check all of my curses and all of that implants that I've brought, got onto myself. Yeah, we are. I'm, I'm very exposed we are exposed you know sure. whether we like it or not and with this um period with this time uh, covid post covid it's never post but the the negative energy flies in a way that was unprecedented is is unprecedented because if i um our thoughts are very powerful right
0: yeah
1: if i do something on this show we're live right let's say that we are live people are listening to us and um and I offend you directly. And you, you didn't expect that. And of course, you're going to start having some negative thoughts about me, I'm sure. And when I leave the show, I'm sure that I'll be able to feel that. And that's mm-hmm. going to send negative energy my way. That's how it usually happens. But today, sure. with this uh, context, there are many carriers that that use you know where where negative energy flows through them to you and you it's very hard for us to find the originator and that's quite difficult i mean i my the amount of work that i did have done with cleansing and clearing and and trying to pinpoint where the energy comes from since covid started is incredible it just has uh, really uh people have been going crazy literally uh the fear um that that harbors this type of energy passage. Mm
0: -hmm. I wanted to ask, um, and maybe you don't have to share if you don't want to, but uh, psychotropics, psychedelics, has that played a role? Mm -hmm. Has that been something you've explored as a median? Has that played a role in mediumship? No, not at
1: all. Uh, Perhaps had I done this at a younger age, maybe I would have, but Mm -hmm. I've never had, uh, of of course, there was a time uh, uh, where I did (laughs) take these, I I did take drugs. (laughs) Sure. I've babbled with a few things, but never with the intention of using it as uh, in this sense, mm-hmm. all I can remember is I did not like the lingering effect. I did not like the, uh, uh, because at that, at that time, at that age, I was never in a position of knowing exactly what I. I it, it comes anyway. And. um it's funny that you asked uh, this because there is, um, I, I have relatives, right? A lot of relatives that do dabble in in things like that. And they get extraordinary um, insight and sure. uh, wild uh, imaginings, you know? Mm. And I listen and I, you know, listen and listen. And I'm thinking, gee, I wonder how they're going to use that now. What is it going mm. to help them with? you know and it's um, it's it's fun it's a, a a release i think it's quite interesting that you can go there and come back but i, I don't find the need to do that uh, sure. unless you know i mean i found out i was able to find out and i'm still analyzing this about aliens this business about aliens <laughs> drives me berserk no because it's it a valid happens. question it exists. Yeah. it exists it exists i've channeled the um uh dr mac who who First spoke outwardly about the psychologist who first spoke outwardly because of his uh, clients who were abducted, and um, I followed him, and he's gone. Uh, you know, and then I channeled him live, and it was um, extraordinary, extraordinary. But then again, you know, I wonder what I could do with that information because when that mm-hmm. develops, perhaps I'll be long gone. People will think I'm crazy. If I start talking, you know, and usually people think I'm crazy anyway, but wait, so you are know. you saying
0: you've been able to channel an alien before?
1: No, no. I've channeled okay. Dr. Mack who has passed, who dealt with clients who, um, who were part of his research. Yeah. And wow. he explained to us the phenomena that were reported to him. Um, wow. And there were a few psychologists that worked that way. What is your perception
0: um, on aliens? Is it, do you believe like we are an ants? We're not really anything important to them. Do you believe that we're maybe an experiment for them? Do you think we coexist with them or what, what do you think? I think, think they're is curious.
1: A- I just think mm. they're curious. Again, I'm, I don't see it as a negative uh, force coming. Although mm. what I do know, no. Okay, I'm always giving you my perspective. Okay, of course, um, the fallen angels, if we want to use that word angels, they're fallen spirits, okay, they had come, they were coming to the earth on a mission, but then they got deviated. And were curious as to well, what is this thing that we call love, you know, the emotional side to the human experience. And that's basically what is what they're after, I believe. Yeah. Whether they put chips into us or whatever, you know, I have nothing to lose and nothing to hide. But, um, I think the idea here is to understand what these emotions are that people experience in, in the human, um, body, you know, the soul experiences. This is what I think.
0: Running on that same theory, um, being that the aliens could be like a fallen angel of a sort. Would a human yeah. in that regard then also be a fallen angel or an angel that has come to live in a body form for a period well, of time?
1: Well, well, now we we can't mix uh, mushrooms with peas, can we? <laughs> I mean, we got, we, got, we got, Silk is not uh, the blue Levi's, you know, the jeans jeans. We have to get things straight. Um, well, aliens are, are not humans, right? We get that we mm. have that we got that straight um yes. humans can be possessed they can be possessed but humans are flesh and blood where the soul has incarnated mm. okay so so a human is first a soul within a body okay yep. so what the spirit of of claudia is talking to you right? right um now if you asked me if you asked me as you did it whether the human a human can be a fallen angel i have to say no because they are not unless they go and they become a something else if let's say they pass uh the powers that be up there the the councils or whatever the hierarchy is decide that they are to they are highly developed and they have to be have a certain um mission to accomplish then they take them up and then what happens after there i don't know but if they come back to earth and they incarnate they will be human they will never be the angels we don't have angels here unless you know in the form of flesh and blood that i don't think exists understood i'm not sure if i've got if i answered
0: no i i do i do i definitely understand and uh the interpretation of where your answer comes from yeah that makes a lot of sense.
1: people are going to switch this right off now no th- i think people deals? are going to be
0: extremely fascinated by this conversation at least i am i'm enthralled um what
1: did they what did they do before this <laughs> sure she doesn't take drugs what's up
0: what's oh up? so i want to go back to when you're in the suburbs of new jersey you finish up yeah. there you can't go to college to become a median or are you in your head? Like, I want to start serving clients. Where, where did you go function? Okay.
1: Well, Um, what happened, uh, what happened was that, um, I got into interpretation into language interpretation. And mm -hmm. that actually is one step It was for me in the, um, it was one step in the, uh, uh, towards getting interpreting, uh, soul, souls and spirits. So, um, when I did my work as you know, flying around, interpreting, and all of that, then becoming a professor and stuff, that has nothing to do with um, with what I'm doing uh, now, except sure. when I talk about mediumship, and mediumship has a strict, very close link to uh, interpretation in language interpretation, but I never believed or thought of going to a school for, um, I don't know, uh, for anything like this. What I did do was uh, become a hypnotherapist, uh, mm-hmm. do neurolinguistic uh, neuro-linguistic programming, things like that, that had to do with language, and had to do with um, communicating with people and getting them to communicate in a different way, yes. Mm -hmm. And just recently I found that there was this uh, place in in, uh, Switzerland, in Zurich actually, that had uh, retreats that closed it, it's finished. They just do this every now and then around the world. And um, I don't believe, see, I just said to you, sure, Chad you can become a medium.
0: Right. But then uh, but you also have to believe it. Right. You have to be able well, to well, compre- believe that you can do the activity. Well, Chad, that do.
1: you have to believe that you're a podcaster. Right. Right.
0: right. Of course. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: No, no. I mean, there. of course, we're in a society and um, the perfect measure for anyone, a professional or anything uh, that you want to do, is you know, the reactions of people around you. Okay, and and how you are, uh, how you are accepted, received, and applauded or not applauded. Um, okay. But then, then you know, it depends on the context where you go. If you have a high class podcast, upper upper end, you know, high, high brow uh, uh, talk there will be a certain listener, an audience, and they will uh, evaluate what you're doing in a certain way. If you go to a place like YouTube where there's very lowbrow talk there, you get, you know, everything you you get people, you know, swearing at you, you get every every kind of thing. And so you, you, I think the idea here is um, that you really have to do whatever you want.
0: Mm.
1: If you do something that you really want to do and it, gives you pleasure enjoyment that's the name of my podcast pleasure seeking I mean that is the key because we are um humans we're, we're we we deserve to feel pleasure and not just problem solving in our life life is difficult enough and if we yeah. I mean if I prefer paying a bill with a card or going to the bank and talking to the beautiful person behind the bank that's you know my problem that's the way I like to do it and because it gives me pleasure you know um, I think you can turn me off.
0: <laughs> no, no, you're <laughs> I totally- Don't, don't keep I me wanted, I wanted to go uh, back to the linguist thing. Oh. W- what mm-hmm. about language or grammar yeah. really drew you to wanting to become a linguist expert?
1: Okay. Um, well, there, I, I'm uh, not obsessed, but my angle, my interest mm-hmm. is in hegemony and power in language. And so when I uh, went for my PhD, it was a PhD that worked at social linguistics, okay? That's language used in social contexts. And uh, what I saw between the two languages, because I worked as an interpreter and did interpreting research, was to see how uh, a person spoke, politicians, you know, I work in the political arena, how politicians spoke. And they're not always kind, they're not always gentle, and they can really, you know, make it difficult for someone who's interpreting their words. The issue is, do you really want to speak the way they speak? Can you use, did did you find the language to say what that person just said? And it's interesting to see how people mediate uh, between saying a, a curse word straight on and moving away from that, And using, say, the third person, the gentleman just said that, you know, and moving yourself away instead of using the first person, and that is very interesting to me. That's really, really interesting. Um, It's happened to me numerous times when I've had to accompany people for the State Department going on location and with a rowdy uh, participant, a rowdy delegate who really wanted to just get to know how much that person earned for a living. And something, as you know, you just don't talk about that. You just, can't, in a public, in the public, there were 40 people. that You can't ask him how much he makes a year you know and 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 i I was in a position where i didn't want to do it then he stood up and asked himself in italian and at that point i had to say i had to interpret and i stood up and said the gentleman to my right would like to know (laughs) and i was i i would have hit i could have you know went under the table but i couldn't you know it was so so embarrassing um but but that's that's my thing Uh, uh Hegemonian language, how power, how you yield power, wield power in language, and how you give concessions, how you uh, uh, seed the floor, how you let another person shine in the limelight, and then when you take it back. It's fascinating. It's so, so fascinating and um
0: do you have any world leaders that in which uh, either good or bad you believe were extremely powerful uh, language interpreters themselves or had a ability to use linguistics to their advantage a lot
1: uh, you mean that were good uh, speakers were powerful yeah. speakers yeah 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 well many there are many there're just so so many and um usually there's a practice of speaking off the cuff mm. and in the american culture Uh, people never usually read a paper. In other cultures, they do. Now there are teleprompters. And uh, at times, you know, there's this running joke that Biden should learn how to read the teleprompter and not make it <laughs> sh- sound that he's reading the teleprompter but um usually when people have a, a crisis when they're in a, the, the heart of a crisis and it's a press conference because the press conferences are so exciting and it's something done on the spur of the moment and you don't get a speech writer to give you the answers there and the questions are fired away and the the key there is to not uh, uh, offend Uh, the press, obviously, who are there to do their job, and not compromise your face when a direct threat or a direct statement is made to you. And many people know how to use um, comedy, often Mm. humor to change or, 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 you know, ask the same reverse the question. And it's fascinating to see. And it's it doesn't come off as being powerful. But that's what Humor does. Humor does give the person power to reverse these situations. It's fascinating. Language is really, yeah, it is. And you can't get away from language. I mean, language is everything. We, uh, it, 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 it is limiting. With mm-hmm. there are certain things that we can do with language. We cannot use language to express certain many abstract things, mm-hmm. and language is limiting. But it's the only thing we have. Um, I think um but uh, it's it's well i'm an argentine tango dancer so you don't talk when you do
0: that sure. <laughs> that's
1: what i love about it yeah that's all body language
0: that's oh the chemistry <laughs> of two souls coming together in a room i know
1: i know and then when somebody starts asking well, where are you from
0: i just leave them on the floor
1: <laughs> no i mean it's uh, come on it's i you know, i come to dance i don't want to hear sure. that you know don't start yeah. talk don't talk <laughs>
0: It's terrible. Oh, that's me brilliant. To say. Um, so during your time of being a professor, um, I know you've published a lot of works. Is there yeah. a piece of work in which you're the most proud of or some research in which uh, if a larger audience were to hear about it, one that you would like to describe or share?
1: Well, um it would be almost incomprehensible if I did talk about the book that came from my PhD, it would be incomprehensible. The only thing I could say is that I, after five years, after I finally got it through my system, I published the book and I uh, looked back after even, oh my God, I did that. I did that. I, I really, it was just so, you know, well thought out. And how did I go there with my brain that, but What's interesting, recent, more recent uh, papers, just papers. Papers are, uh, let's say, essays for um, academic journals. Uh, could be yep. anything from six pages to 30 pages, depending on the journal, right? Sure. And a couple of studies I have done that um, targeted um, TV series uh, of women, because I'm uh, currently writing a, woman, uh, a book on women of power. True. and um i uh, tried to analyze how tv series and movies the media mm-hmm. um pr- represented women of power not who necessarily were in a position of power but who who were in, an influencer or who, who uh, let's say, a fixer in, Could
0: you give me in a, an Washington,
1: D.C. Scandal, scandal. Mm. Uh, Kerry Washington was a fixer, right? She was Understood. a lawyer, a fixer. And how she, her language was and what, what happened to her when she would become fearful because she was being targeted and how you know there was this whole uh, difficulty with the father who was uh, who who was a good man, supposed to then turn bad, and then the mother mm-hmm. who was an, uh, an age and all of that and she became uh, how her language changed that's fascinating what
0: and and how did her specifically if you're just accounting that specific character how did you what what did you notice what were those observations
1: well there's this expression of uh, you attacked to defend yourself (laughs) Mm. Uh, when you're being painted into a corner and someone is saying or criticizing you or or bringing you to task you know they're they're saying oh you were the one who and you Oh, the, the idea in language, um, the idea, if you want to uh, not be combative, but retort, you know, come back with something, is you you come back with the same statement into the same measure. If the mm-hmm. person uh, telling you, if it's a journalist, and they're telling you about something that you had done, uh, which was unlawful, all right, or something that was criminal, then you come back with something that the journalist has written that was uh, that didn't hit the mark or uh, it, it's a, it's a, it's tit for tat. Really. Understood. Yeah. Um, psychological yeah, plan that. Yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But there's also the more delicate, um, social linguistic analysis that i love mm-hmm. and, which is really fascinating is the superficial not superficial but the delicacy of understanding what are these pronouns what pronouns are being used here and usually even just by studying the pronouns you can see whether the person is distancing themselves from from you if they're including you if they're you know talking about others and when you have a corpus we call that a corpus uh, uh, our body of analysis that the larger it is. Uh, Let's say the the more number of episodes you would analyze, the more you understand the trends. You can see the trends across all of the episodes and it comes out as a strategy. And um, here too, unless you see it with your eyes and you can pinpoint it with grass, grap, graps, (laughs) I'm just going (laughs) to get the words out, I'm (laughs) a linguist. (laughs) graphs
0: (laughs) <laughs>
1: graphs <laughs> through graphs
0: <laughs> we love it with
1: graphs and you can see you can see the graphs and you can see where you know the number that of the times that we was never used when it should have been used you know and uh and uh, they have have had the there's a preponderance of the use of they when talking mm. about a certain group you know uh like the Al-Qaeda group or the, the, the left wing uh, um, uh, softies or something, mm-hmm. you know? So, so it's, it's, it's quite interesting. It's quite interesting. Yeah. Have you
0: explored yeah. Um, consumerism and uh, propaganda and how, how much does language and linguistics play into uh, the theories that can be consumerism or propaganda or that?
1: well i i you know putting it in a percentage i have to say it's 100% mm. um it, when you say consumerism consumerism is linked to marketing in, in some way Correct. always advertising and advertising is about getting the proper language on the billboard on the message on that tweet on you know getting it so who receives it understands a certain thing mm. and that's 100% language yeah yeah and what's very i'm getting
0: excited. <laughs> yeah, I know, I am too. Oh, this is so cool.
1: And and what what's really interesting and what I learned early on is that you can't just study what's on the page or in the mouth or in the transcript. You have to you have to look at what's not there. Why didn't they use this? And why did they use that? And that's really illuminating. That's really illuminating. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: If I want to become a better linguist, what would you recommend are the most effective steps to doing that?
1: Oh, just listen, you know, listening, analyzing, uh, reading, and comparative reading. For example, mm-hmm. if you, uh, well, just to, let's say, what's an issue today? The issue is uh, Novax. Va- no Novax Is that how you say it? Yeah, the vaccine issue. Yeah, the vaccine issue. You can even do it online. You can get uh, access to journals online, to papers online, and you can see say there was an incident in Florida or something, someone died because of some reason. Okay. Then you take a look at that incident as reported in different journals and you see the language that they use. That is a direct way.
0: It's so interesting. You bring that up right now, because specifically, uh, are you aware of ivermectin? Ivermectin is a parasitic uh, drug that we ah. use to help uh, you know, the stomach and other, other parasite-based yes. diseases. Yes. However, there's a lot of correlations between iver- Ivermectin having a very positive effect for uh, fighting off COVID in place ah. of vaccination. So there's one camp of scientists right now, um, backed by Brett Weinstein, that are Ooh. pushing for Ivermectin and this idea of it being um, looked at on a larger scale for efficacy over the long-term comparative to the yeah. mRNA vaccination um that we're mm-hmm. seeing right now with COVID. And the way I'm seeing language between both sides, because it's crazy, it's creating such a, a dissent between scientists that there's a website that anytime an article from one side is posted, it rhetorics it. And then anytime something's posted on this side, yeah, it rhetorics yeah, it yeah, on yeah. this side. And it's so fascinating to see how they use linguistics between the same data points to micromanage their message. It's so fascinating. And then it, it becomes a point of there's so many sources now. How do I interpret the language to really understand what yeah. is the truth here when there is dissonance and emotion is now being backed behind. Okay, the
1: I, there's you know you said a really uh, big word here, truth, and um, you know mathematics isn't it doesn't even have a truth of its own. You know, mm. it's oh there's always a perspective you can do with numbers so many things that that you can do with language as well. Truly. And we have to really try to, and I think that this is the big problem with the division in in all the world over is that you know, everybody thinks that there is a truth, that my truth is more than your truth, is better than your truth, you know? And all I can say is, look, I've chosen my poison, period. You do whatever you want. And um, the issue here is, you know, as you were talking, I'm thinking, okay, you're talking about websites, but of course these drugs, these uh, these substances have been um, studied in some way and they were written about in journals. But then I thought, and I said to myself before I opened my mouth, those journals are manipulated those journals have a hierarchy right. those journals are politicized as well mm-hmm. you know, some papers don't get published you know published uh, published and others do and so you know you, where is that truth you'll it's always shifting and and i think that even that is an interesting thing because mm-hmm. everyone who goes anyone who goes after the truth is is an idiot yeah. <laughs> so, I said it, I'm not denying it because sure. if there if you think there is a truth you're, you're uh, you you shouldn't vote. You're chasing your tail. You're a dog. <laughs> yeah. you're your yes, tail. yes, yes. Because yeah. of course I'm going to believe certain things. There are articles, mm-hmm. right? I get a, I have a news feed. The first thing I do when I turn over, I wipe my eyes, open my phone and I have the feed. And of course I I have in my phone uh, articles that I like to read. If there are articles, I'm not going to read the articles I don't want to read. I don't want to hear about that. I don't, you know? <laughs> and I'm saying truly. that clearly because I don't like their arguments. You know. <laughs> mm,
0: truly, yeah, that's so and, interesting. That um, it's it's yeah. crazy too. I I really sympathize with. I was listening to some of your content, and you talked about the reason you even went by Claudia on that was you wanted to separate and distinguish your higher education self from the 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 version of you that's doing your creation of your YouTube channel and all that. Right. And I thought it was so fascinating your interplay on higher education. Um, is is that something? Is is the higher education system in Rome and Italy similar to that of how it is here in America? And right. What were your quandaries with the higher education system? Okay. And have they so? Shifted? Let's
1: say let's say that um, any institution, mm. the military, uh, universities, hospitals, the government, it, they, there is a hierarchy. And in some of these institutions, it's more functional uh, and it's more functional in the military because mm. you have to obey and you have to do certain things. In the, and I'm, I'm likening this to uh, hierarchical, hierarchical systems in universities. Um, it's, it's funny uh, because in the United States, you get the impression that, oh, we're all on the same level, right. You know, uh, but you do feel the seniority. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not openly played, but you know, when somebody is senior and, oh, uh, and, and you definitely know when you are not senior, you know, Truly. um, and the thing is that, uh, I can say it could be, um, different. Yes, it could be. There is a patriarchal tendency to promote. There is all in the entire world, anywhere you go, you know. But the thing is that where do I stop fighting? Well, I don't give... You know, I really don't give a damn if I'm going to be promoted or not in the end. I just want to be happy, you know. Yeah, that's, you're not worried about tenure. <laughs> yeah, I have tenure. That's the oh, thing. Oh, that's I do beautiful. Have, I, I've got tenure. I've had tenure, you know, and I'm going to quit. <laughs> <You can laughs> believe that. I'm going to quit because I can't take it anymore. But sure. some people think that they have more tenure than the others. <laughs> and so the pow- power wielded is, is, I don't know. It, it, it's tiring to talk about that. Mm-hmm. It's really tiring. And the funny thing is that you, when I mentioned about women and the book I was writing, I mentioned women of power, people who don't have uh, the influence of being president or vice president, but they are so powerful that people follow them. In my environment, I was one of them. I brought in so many students because of the topic that I teach, the the, uh, the, the discipline. And I, you know, people always came to me for questions, answers, you know, theses, you know, all of that. So I, I was having my share of responsibility, but, and, and that was not looked upon very, uh, uh, you know, kindly. And so... There was, you know, when I started stepping back, uh, they changed the way things were organized. And I was happy because it took away a lot of paperwork from me, but still I was tenured. So, okay, I'll, I'll just step back until my boss one day came to me. We were at a faculty meeting. She says, I saw you. And I said, what do you mean you saw me? She said, oh, I saw you online. I said, you're kidding. She said, yeah. And I th- she says, you should tell the students because it's a great way for them to learn English. <laughs>
0: Oh, smart, smart. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you no know, it's just you know i i at one point you say forget it you know i i uh, started it with a name change so i, I my students wouldn't find me you know yeah. but then i thought i'll oh, throw caution to the winds that's so enough.
0: now is that something like when you have to do two truths and a lie with a new class of students is like oh i run a youtube channel is that something you share or?
1: no well <laughs> no no but i i it has uh, you know creeped through the the grapevine and and the one student called me up and had me she had to you know Asked for intervention because there was someone who passed, and you know, and it just you know, it, it the word gets around. Yeah, word gets around. Yeah.
0: Sure. <laughs> do you notice? Um, I, I guess something that I th- I think I've noticed. Do you feel that colleges and universities in America um, are like chasing the endowments or are chasing the priorities yes, of their of finances well, over to. their fire over the priorities of the academics?
1: Well, money means greater. Programming and mm. um, the greater problem—it's—it's it's here too. There's the cat that's you know uh, biting its tail because um, without endowments, without support, it's very hard to do certain things.
0: Right. The
1: idea is to manage those funds and uh, uh, being part of outreach is not what a typically what a professor in the United States does. They mm. don't. Administrators do, and which is nice you know, this is nice. And in Italy, it's the same thing. There are offices that are meant to do outreach. But I think that um, there's never enough money for research. There's more money for science, hard sciences, the soft sciences. No. And that is just an imbalance. Right. I I think. Yeah. And in Italy, especially the doctors, physicians are are a very strong lobby at the Mm. university level. Yeah.
0: Yeah, being a doctor is like Medicine. considered very high there. Medicine.
1: Yeah. Mhm. Mm-hmm.
0: That's fascinating. I feel like right now in America, there's a big push for computer science. I would say if you're yes. anything in that yes. sector, it's it's very very yeah. highly regarded right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of money going around for that. Mm-hmm.
0: Sure. I so what to-
1: happens, Chad? What happens yes. is that everyone who looks for funding uh pitches their programs with an information technology base. Mhm. They have, and, and so that's the way they know that they that's can get so money. And that's so difficult because that's like, the way it's what if, here.
0: what if like yeah, the I mission no. of a soft science would be much better if it didn't have that push towards the technology and it focused more towards something else, you know, like there's a,
1: well, you know, having good software programs, some, you know, good hardware at the university makes me able to do my research much faster.
0: Mm. You know, do you think there'll be a period in which humans are worse at linguistics than AI? Do you think we'll ever bridge a point like that (sighs) in which humans are more entertained or more enthused, are more moved by AI created language rather than a human? I
1: think that's happening already.
0: Wow. I think that's,
1: I I have (laughs) a son who's, who works uh, in artificial intelligence and uh, it's fascinating. It's Mm. fascinating. And I think it's an abstraction. I mean, it's, you know, an abstraction that it models, you know, behavior and, And I think it's fascinating, but, um, I, you know, I, I'd be damned if I do damned if I don't how I answer because it's, it's already (laughs) taken the, the, you know, it's overcome the language, human speaking, like we're doing, (laughs) but they will never, they will know no matter how much money is out there, you know, we'll still be doing these podcasts, Chad,
0: you know, it, (laughs) you know, it (laughs) really, because great. It's great. It is. It's great. When, it when, is when, absolutely about it, when do you have an opportunity for like yes. 90 minutes to uninterrupted, yeah. just enjoy yes. dialogue Talking. with the human? Yes.
1: yes. 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 And and people that I know say, well, do you make money? No, I don't make any money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I still have a job. I, I still work. And,
1: <laughs> yeah. I still have to work carving out the time. And it's so funny because I'm surprised at myself too, you know? Mm. Um, but, but I mean, it is, it's, you learn so much. First sure. of all, and and it opens so many different avenues, and you come away with a different perspective. Many of the times, most of the times, I think, mm. yeah, and you surely know what you don't want to repeat truly, <laughs> if it's truly. a negative experience. Yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs>
0: yeah. With hip, with hypnotherapy, I want to explore that topic for a second. Mm. First, could uh-huh. you explain to me what is hypnotherapy, and then from a biological or neurological standpoint, what is occurring? and then how did you get into it?
1: Okay. Um, Well, first off, I got into it because of past life regression. I was exploring past lives. And and it's one thing to be able to read into a person's what we call the Akashic records, which is this big library in the sky, another metaphor, to get information about them. But it's another thing. If you know, one thing is if I tell the person about themselves, another thing, if the person themselves explores this journey under hypnosis, because they get their answers like that. They just come out and they realize, oh my God, now I understand why I don't have a good relationship with my dad, for example, you know, things like that. And I got into it because I was curious myself. And what it is, is, uh, well, hypnosis is um, we talk about hypnosis as um, being not the stage hypnosis where it's entertainment and things happen that are not always hypnotic in in nature but can be illusion illusionistic Mm. in nature Um, hypnosis is a a state where uh, the therapist Brings the person through a certain series of techniques that I can't go into now, but uh, sure. bringing explaining very clearly to the person first of all, and it's a long session. You explain to them; it takes about a forty-five minute session in explaining what is going to happen, what they will be feeling, and never to be uh, worried because they will be sent. They will be conscious; they will know what is happening, and they can come out whenever they want to from the hypnosis. And being the guide of bringing them, the key in in um, hypnotic, um, therapy is to understand what, which best technique will bring them to a place without frightening them without, um, without breaking down the process right in the middle of when you're doing it. And, um, Having them explore it as long as possible before they come out of of hypnosis, and that is a challenge. That's why I love it so much, because, um, for example, uh, people have gone to past lives where they visit a time when they're about to die you know choke and and wow. it, it's such a experience it's such an extreme experience and and um that's happened to me four times and i remember it just as if it were yesterday and you have to be very careful in bringing them back and and talking about it and then bringing Uh, you know it what they may not want to go back into hypnosis usually it will go into a second session or a third session but i find that a maximum of three sessions have has them come out has them come out and the average is two sessions of wanting to to, for them to feel on their own to feel feet as if they are understanding what uh, what has gone through Uh, having their own answers It's 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 if you ever have the chance and if you ever know a good hypnotherapist, or you can have someone refer you to someone, um, I would try it if I were you. Um, wow. if you have questions about, uh, I don't know, a lot of people, it happens that a lot of people think that they were not the natural child of the parents and and they believe that they were um uh, adopted and they would like to know because there's just too many things that have make them think that they don't belong to that family that's an example um uh-huh. there are a lot of uh for example a woman that i worked with had has a fear of uh driving she can't drive she's afraid of driving and um you know the, there too there's a way of working around that through other different you know tragedies sometimes it's well obviously if they're going to a past life there's there are lives where cars did not exist
0: sure. but
1: in that case, this woman had drowned. And it was being in a situation of non control of not being able to control where they were moving, because during the swimming, you move, it's a way of moving, you know, mm. and um, connecting the dots is, is one is, is the easiest part, really. But managing uh, the situation with the client is very delicate, very, very delicate. Yeah.
0: But it's fascinating So fascinating too. you bring that up because there's only one thing ever in my life that I was I've always ever remembered that was a like weird body fixation to activity correlation, and that yeah. was driving on a bridge or near like a waterside. <laughs> I, I specifically <laughs> yeah. when I was younger, I my chest would get really heavy and it would become oh. extremely hard to breathe just oh, when and wh- passing while by. While you were you were driving yourself? No, no. While I well either either while I was driving myself or while I was in the passenger.
1: Yeah, I see. Yeah, and this it's is crazy because
0: I I I got over that now in college, but it was all through high school too.
1: But did you it always um, did you have dreams of certain dreams that could make you think about Yes, the, I've the, yes, the, I've had
0: I've I've had I've had a few occurrences where I felt like I was asleep and then I woke up because I was either dr- like drowning like I, I was drowning or I was mm. yes, or falling like that uh, like you know, like that sensation of like uh falling into nothingness and then you wake up yeah. and you're like bracing your heart. I've had a Mm -hmm. few occurrences like that, but the biggest thing I think for me with, with dreaming and the production of dimethyltryptamine that I get so annoyed about is Mm -hmm. uh, when I was younger, starting at the age of 14, I consumed Mm -hmm. cannabis. Now it's something that we legally have here in Illinois, Uh but since about 15 through now, there's, I would say of 365 days of the year, there is probably a good yeah. 95% of those that I do not dream, or I have no recollection of dreaming. Ah, I see. And, I see. and then mm-hmm. there's like a couple times where I have very good dreams.
1: Very specific
0: dreams. And I have, so I do understand the, the, the psychology of the rimming and that the consumption of the cannabis can hinder your ability to go into rim sleep. So then you have to catch up. But then there is mm-hmm. those sometimes where I do, and the dreams are extremely vivid when they come through. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. And that's something I dreams, wish I could dream God. more. Is it do you dream often? <laughs> is is dreaming something that comes uh, more naturally yes. because it, you're it, it comes
1: well, it it there are certain there are periods, like you're saying, you know, there are periods where I don't remember the dreams. There are periods when I do. And mm-hmm. I have dreams often, quite often. And what I do is um I have, you know, I use my notebooks and things like that. I write them always. I write them down when when they are particularly articulated, detailed, and when there are symbols that are so strong. And um, it, it is, it's eye-opening because it's the only thing we really have that works while we're not aware when we're not awake and it that is able to tell us so much sometimes you know I I divide dreams I'm not a dream specialist but uh, many dreams are um, all right let's say that Carl Jung right he he talks about dreams and and his perspective is that all of the pieces of things of people that we see in dreams are our projection parts of us Mm -hmm. if you dream about a child it's you that you have to take care of things like that Um, there are also dreams that are actually the playing out of your past life as something that has occurred in your past life. Mm -hmm. And there was a third night, I can't remember what it is, what I wanted wanted to say. Oh, there is the dream where you want to, um, where the fear that you cannot something that you're fearful of during the day you play out in your dream. Okay. That's something that your conscious mind cannot deal with. Um, And it's hard to say exactly what that dream means, but I with these three, I, I pretty much
0: cover what happens to my nights.
1: <laughs> I'm happy with that. Yeah. Sure.
0: Um, I wanted to go into uh I just had this. Oh, it was just on the tip of my tongue. Shoot, I just lost it.
1: I see uh, you do it too. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Like, at least like a corner a corner kick. I came up with the third one. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wonder how long I'm going to time you now.
0: Uh, I, <laughs> I don't have that thought, but I do remember this thought. Does being okay. bilingual have mm-hmm. any play on your interpretation of linguistics? And what is that play? if it uh, does? Well,
1: well, let's say that um, I got into linguistics because I'm bilingual. And okay. um, I, I also use French a lot, French and Spanish, passively into English. And um, But let's say that being bilingual gives you an openness to your mind, your mind opens. I mean, I studied, um, I studied Russian and I love Russian. I just love Russian because it just, you know, when I'm in a really bad mood, when I have difficulty, when, I, when I'm when i so obsessed with something, I'll take out the Russian lessons and I just, you know, have a vacation um, and, and it's, it's, it's an opening. That's how I feel mm. other languages are. And, uh, but, but of course, if you learn a language at a certain age, let's say you have a political conscious, you have a political mind, uh, you you live by yourself. And at the age of, say, 18, you left your home. And from 18 to present time, you must be older than 18. Come on,
0: tell me that you I am, are. I am. Okay. I'm, I'm actually 22. 22.
1: <laughs> ah, okay. But but at least for those four years, you're living on your own. But that means you have to do the food shopping. you have to maintain a budget. you have to put you know something coming in, something going out. You have to work out what econo- you know economics means. Right. And you also have to in some way um, get yourself prepped for voting if you have to vote. So you become a political, you become politically aware. Right. and that is where your language of political awareness uh, starts. If you start now to learn Spanish, for example, you're not going to have that that language in spanish until you go live in spain and you have to vote there or something so right. you're going to have a whole food language or or a you know a different kind of social language and so I, you know i had my taxes uh language my my area of paying taxes in it was once in italian once in english and you know and my political language was was very very italian and then i had it mm. from english you know so so it goes back and forth the, the words change so much uh what is the latest um uh what was the latest that was said during the elections um something being out clotted out or or a uh, I can't remember now it will come to me it's on the tip of my tongue um sure. it was something the right uh let's say the republicans said about the uh left wing i can't remember i can't remember
0: gone sure it's no gone. no problem. no that happens <laughs> i actually do remember the thought i had earlier uh, ah! which Only, was that was
1: not even five minutes that's good. right
0: okay good good <laughs> It was on spirituality. I wanted to, Uh when you mentioned uh, dreams and symbols and that, it's and uh, reincarnation, you vividly said, um, which made Mm -hmm. me think about Hinduism and Buddhism. I wanted to Mm -hmm. ask, what is your current spirituality and how does that play into your mediumship?
1: Okay. Um, Let's say that um, today, I can only tell you today how I feel. If I work with past life regression, obviously I believe that there is a series of lives that our soul does not, you know, uh, dissipate. And we, I'll have another, I mean, if I die right now, I know that I'll see you somewhere else, Chad. <laughs> I know that I, I can come well, around I, I look forward and do to this that whole <laughs> meeting as well. <laughs> and I'll tell you what happened out there. <laughs> and so, so I do believe that, you know, I believe um, that there is a strong uh, a sense. I do believe also w- what's interesting and that people don't talk about that. Mm. Um, we, since our soul is created, I'd say, I have my soul is um, 58 lifetimes ago, yours may be 23, could be 90, could be you know, a certain number. During all those different lifetimes, there are occurrences, there are decisions that you make, there are um that influence your soul's uh, um, the the, the health of your soul and all that to you. I believe that as well. And brought forth to today, if today you have recurring um. Events, Mm -hmm. Uh, an example could be, you you meet a partner, it lasts, it's very intense, extremely intense. It only gets to the third month after three months. It's just an extreme breakup and it ends. And you tend to be the one who leaves the partner. But then out of the blue, sometimes they leave you and you are floored. Okay, so there is this pattern, and you have to say, you have to recognize it as a pattern. And that happens on the basis, according to me, of what had happened in your past lives. That's why I'm so interested in past life regression. So my form of spirituality, I work with a lot of Indians, I work with a lot of um, people from all over the world that have different, um, different religious beliefs. So let's say that I, I need to use a language I, 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 you know, sometimes I say, Lord, God, you know, it, it, it is certain, whatever you what is the higher power for you right. is, is, it means this for you, you know. Um, and again, of course, I'm saying I'm couching it in languages. And, and I'm saying, you know, it is language is just not sufficient to, to explain that. But my form of spirituality is that, like I say, I did come from the Catholic Church, I was baptized, I'm not practicing, and I never, I mean, I lost it when I knew I couldn't be an altar boy. I thought that that was it. I'm out, you know. And, uh, but <laughs> I was fascinated by getting a copy of the Bible and listening to Bible in a Year podcast. It's another plug with this interesting uh, Father Mike, you know, and he makes it come alive in, in this uh, this these stories and allegories that are so bloody, horrible, mm. full of, ins- you know, horrible things. Um, but I like to read that. i like to, to to see the stories. and um and and I guess I just like stories. and story writing, a lot of it is based on on things that are so ancient, you know. um but having said that, i I think that narratives are our spirituality, um the narrative. there's a a school of thought of narratology that that has. It oftentimes, in many countries, supplanted uh, psychology. If you can get people to narrate about themselves, and uh, much like we're doing in a way, uh, it's therapeutic. And once you find a storyline, and you can you you get the plot and subplots, and uh, rearrange it, and and you know show the person the way they have foregrounded something, and the way how they've put something in the background, it tells them a lot about who they are and what they find as being important for them, you know. Um, I think language has, I hate to say it over and over and over again, but that's, it seems that's what comes up. And um, spirituality, it has much to do with how you extend yourself for a purpose. Oh, sure, we have to pay our bills. But uh, is there a part of us that like you and I are doing now, when we do it just for the love of communicating, you know, that is a form of spirituality for me. That is a, f- a form of communion for the time that we're together, and the and we come apart because you know you're giving me something that's that enriches me in so many ways, and I can't doubt that, you know. And when I go back and listen to this, I I, I will say, oh my God, oh, you really had a great conversation, you know, and those questions I didn't expect. Oh God, <laughs> and <laughs> sure. who is that God? Truly,
0: <laughs> <You know? laughs> <laughs> really, that's, that's a big yeah. <laughs> question. I <I've>, I love <laughs> that interpretation of uh spirituality because I too I tend to to allow my 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 emotional landscape. Like I find I find that idea too of storytelling in writers. Like when mm-hmm. I when I hear a when I can read writing and it, it's really good, I get crazy goosebumps. And and yes. To me, that is spiritual and it's funny because i when i was younger i've never really thought about this till exactly now when you shared this idea i wasn't spiritual really my family never really made me have to go to church or anything and it was mm-hmm. something i wanted to to stem away from but i allowed music to yes. be my spirituality oh, and i've never i've go. never thought about accepting that something that i something i enjoy or something that i evolve my life into and being so heavily consumed by could be what is your spirituality that's oh god new for me that's but super m- unique
1: music is is sound it's language but it's harmony and uh, the the interesting thing is that you know it's it's a shame that not everyone understands that you know not a, everyone is a tune like <laughs> just to use the language is a tune to uh the the actual sounds of the universe because mm-hmm. there are sounds out there and um it, it's it's really interesting it's really really interesting Do, have you ever played an instrument
0: yeah yeah so i um since about 4th grade i've played clarinet and then i switched to saxophone nice. piano and singing nice Ah oh,
1: that's nice. So you are a singer. You do use your voice? I do. Ah! My
0: my minor my minor is in vocal performance and operatic Ooh. singing. Ah.
1: Yeah. I get it. I get it. I'm a voice coach. I Are work you? with this uh, Feldenkrais method. Yeah. The, the voice and movement. I have a, a post-grad course uh, coming up and Very it's nice. geared toward uh, people who use their voice, like actors, singers, interpreters,
0: dubbers, oh, you know, things like that. Best class freshman year that got me into actually reading and writing was my uh, language. And, and we had a dialect training course.
1: Oh, I love that too. I did oh, it too. I loved so it. good. Oh Where so we explored
0: every language you explore yeah, the- with the books of how, yes, with the big, the little thick books where you can explore and break down how words are said and everything. Like mm-hmm. that was so much fun, and I I got to explore uh, like Gallici, which is a yeah. form of Saint uh, uh, or in New Orleans of of mm-hmm. African people's uh, descent and their language, and it's so cool to think that (laughs) just everywhere we exist and even i'm sure you even see that too in italy like if you go to like orvieto versus rome of course there's right right changes in the you said
1: that so well orvieto wow
0: (laughs) i uh my dream uh, my with this is a topic we haven't touched yet which we could touch it now italy i am my heart Everything in my body tells me I should be in Italy. I need to visit Italy. I need to have a home in Italy. I shouldn't just die. Have you in ever Italy. gone? Uh, have, have you ever have, gone? I've yet to been. I want to go to uh, Orvieto. I, uh, you, I want to go to Le, uh, Lake Orvieto.
1: Why Orvieto? Because Urvieto? of the history.
0: Because it was like uh, one of the yeah, well, towns during World War II that yeah, didn't yeah, get yeah. demolished because of treaties, mm-hmm. which I think that's so fascinating. And I want to meet. I want to meet. Uh, well, my, my dream is really Croatia. Croatia is where my. Well, since I was a young boy, it's very close. It is, it is all in the Mediterranean there. I, yeah. I want to visit it all, but I want to get to meet the people and I want to have a podcast yeah. with locals. Yeah. Oh, and I, I don't little, know how hard that will be, but yeah.
1: It, no, so well, you cool. did just bring your little digital.
0: <laughs> That's what I'm yeah. thinking and just go back and just explore yeah. and meet. What's your yeah, favorite it is, part of Italy? it?
1: Ah, uh, well, um, I have to say, I haven't seen all of it, uh, but I my family, I spent so, so many years in Florence and in Tuscany. Mm-hmm. And and I went purposely to Tuscany because that is a place where to this day, favors study and mindfulness, oh. I'll use that horrible word, but, but, you know, meditation, sure. you know, it it, it is, um, I like Tuscany, I live in Rome. And, uh, you know, this, this is gorgeous the weather is beautiful we're by the sea you know mm. and uh it's uh, the, the the it this is i really do like this but um you, you go up north and there are certain characteristics as as there are all over the world really the northern part of the countries are different and and the south are different as well but the food i mean the food the food uh i want to try I've, gnocchi <laughs> in know yeah. there's There's Sardinia. I've been all over in Sardinia and I love Sardinia. Sardinia has a very high um one of the, some they ha, they have ultra uh, centarians, you know, they 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 live a long time in, in in Sardinia. That you would really like. That you would really really like. That sounds um good. I think, you know, if you have to go anywhere, you you have to have time. Well, you have to be, have the mindset where I'm going for this time, 3 weeks, 1 month, whatever. Because then next year I'm going for another week or another month. You have to do it on a regular basis, I think. Right. Yeah,
0: yeah. there's so much. Have you been to Luca at all or explored Oh, anything? God,
1: I used to work. Oh, I, I know Luca like the back of my, do you say the pockets? Or do you have the back of back my hand? you yeah. the palm of my hand? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Luca. I used to work in Luca for a long time um, as an interpreter. And it's one of my, well, one of my favorite friends has is be, will be coming back to Luca to live. It is a, a, a real little jewel of a place. It's a small city. You get around. It's good. The food is good. Um, it's, a, it's a very nice area, really nice area, because then there are the mountain slopes nearby. It's it's nice. Sure. Close to the sea.
0: Yeah. Are there, uh, I know this is probably a stupid Westerner question, but are there pines all over Rome?
1: Well, yeah, they look like <laughs> lollipop trees. <laughs> Do you know that about was... the,
0: the Pines of Rome, the classical work, the classical work of music?
1: Wait, say that again. I, I lost uh, the, you. Say it again. The Pines of Did Rome. Did I know?
0: The pines of rome it's a classical work of music
1: no i don't
0: oh uh, no. yeah that was that was a that was a classical musician joke i just made it's there's a beautiful symphony oh you did called, yeah it's called the pines of rome and uh i haven't been to it ah. but apparently there's beautiful pines all over rome pine trees
1: there is and at, when you land in rome at the um at the leonardo da vinci airport fiumicino mm-hmm. uh, when you come into the city you start seeing these pines they look and I remember I was uh, 13 when I came back for the first time and I looked they look like lollipop trees (laughs) you know I thought they were all lollipops they were tall and and round Mm. and it's so characteristic yeah the vegetation is really nice here um but but you you put that together with the food and the relaxation and the attitude Mm-hmm. There's an attitude. It's changed, of course, after COVID. It's unfortunate, but still there is that you have to sit down to eat your meal. Yes. You I love the extended down.
0: dinners where you have yeah. meals over three hours and multiple courses like yeah. that is. oh, it's
1: <laughs> Well, weird. not everybody does that, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but 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 it's very civil, especially if you're communicating with somebody you, you enjoy it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, What's it's, a, it's, what
0: are some of the biggest differences you, you notice in observations between Americans and Italians?
1: Well you don't have uh, wine readily at the table <laughs> in the United States you don't yeah. uh, uh, not in all parts of you have to order that okay mm. but if you know you get milk someplace that oh every time I that when I learned that, traveling in the united states and they would offer me milk on the table i almost vomited because i thought how could you drink, how could you eat that how could you drink that and he, you know that's for breakfast sure sure <laughs> but that's that's one thing the eating habits are different but mm-hmm. of course you can get now whatever you want anywhere mm-hmm. um the the habits it's a social difference the social space is different in the united states compared to european countries um Especially now with the uh, COVID situation, but um, th- there and the way you socialize. Many people um, have acquaintances on the job, and that's the way they make their friends. Uh, typically, you don't go to the corner bar. There's a lot of ex- there's a lot of drinking. Um, it's not social drinking. There's alcoholism. I mean, you go there, and people just go, you know pass the line of of social drinking and sure. that becomes heavy, you know, it just becomes heavy. There's no more conversation there, you know,
0: Yeah.
1: um, that is a difference. Um, but, and, and then there's this big divide of Vax, no Vax, if I'm saying that, right. Mm, that's um, a big issue in Italy and, as well. It It is a still a big issue, but there's more tolerance. I see, mm. uh, there is more tolerance and, um, but, you know, we, I don't want to go there with that discussion. It, it does, um, it, we're in the heart of it. So, you know, we, we've just, what, today is the fifth? Is that the fifth? Yeah, today's the fifth. Tomorrow yep. is the first day when we will be required to travel with this green pass in our bags on us to go anywhere. If I want to go to a restaurant. To proves the bank, vaccination
0: to or whatever. Right,
1: or- right. If I want to have a drink at the bar, I have to keep standing if I don't have my green card. Uh, If I want to go in, I'll have to go with that. If I go to the gym, I have to have that, you know? So that's starting tomorrow and I'm okay with that. Like I said, I, you know, choose my poison, um, but uh, I like to travel. I like to move and I can't do that. I have a son in Germany and I want to go see them, you know, and another one in another place. So it's, it's, you do what you have to do, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you do have, you have to do. And and if people want to inject, uh, chips into me and study what i'm doing i'm okay with that because negative <laughs> negative energy comes through what is i mean uh microchips are sent to you yeah. they are and that is negative energy it's part of negative mm-hmm. energy they need to be cleared as well i'm
0: giving you the secrets to my trade here i love it thank <laughs> you i appreciate the, the intimacy and insights it's really uh it's exciting wow i i yeah. I don't even think we've explored everything with mediums and mediumships. Like, (laughs) how does, how does, okay, I I know we are getting to the end of the time here. So I have a few questions I want to get into, but how does like creation theory in the world play into mediumship?
1: Okay. Now I I had a a very small bout with creation theory because I worked for a group and an international group that were, okay, get this. Uh, that Call. they have uh, conferences, all well, international conferences. And so I organized the conference team, the, the interpreting team. One time, to, well, not one time, several times they came to Italy. And on one occasion, a friend of mine who's a, um, a physicist came to the conference and started saying, you know, I'm a, an experimental physicist and we measure uh, the beginning of time. We measure the be, the, the bio, you know the beginning. And every time we get there, it seems to shift you know, it always shifts. And I know this was not the question that you asked, but I can't, as a medium, I, I can't put my wrap my brain around the notion of that school of thought. It's something mm. that I just, I worked for, I translated their words, ah, that's enough for me, you know, right. um, wonderful people, fantastic people, it's just not, I, I, I couldn't go there with my brain you know, mm-hmm. or even reason about it. Sure. Um, and sometimes I didn't understand uh, even what they were saying because it just seemed so foreign to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, what is your take? I mean, can you, uh, I don't know, shine some light on, on that? Um, not in relation to mediumship, of course, but. Yeah, I <laughs>
0: like, <in> re- <laughs> not really, but in relation to. The spawn and the impetus of everything that exists. I really, I, yeah. you know, I'm not too sure. I have, I, I want to look deeply into the science because I haven't looked enough into the science of the Big Bang and how all of that cosmic mm-hmm. creation starts. But yeah. for me, the idea that I, lately, I've been really exploring a lot the simulation theory. I really like that idea. I think there's something fascinating about the concept that maybe there was a single, event that created a simulation that allows Mm -hmm. for all of this to occur in the way it does. And then I even had a guest on last week and we Uh explored the idea of God being the actual head of the simulation and like that, Uh that people and religion has maybe been a way to explore and understand a simulation theory without even realizing that it could have potentially been a simulation theory. So I think Mm -hmm. I'm in a similar camp to you where like every time I go to explore that topic, there's either a new theory that comes up mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. I can't really pinpoint a, a strong enough statistical evidence to, to, to verify that this is exactly it. So I'm I'm still luminescing on the idea of it. I'm very unaware of mm-hmm, what, mm-hmm. what really started all of this. But do I believe I don't know if I necessarily I, I do think there is a there is some sort of mix between understandable sciences and unexplainable phenomenons that just came together and everything exists as we know it exists.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's difficult because uh, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to say, Chad, don't worry about it because it's going to change. (laughs) It's not going to be called that it'll be called something else. Don't worry about it. (laughs) It's not worth understanding. Wait till something else comes.
0: (laughs) Sure. Sure. So are you, do you, do you fear death? Are you excited for death because there's okay. a potential of other right. lives? Now, it,
1: it is, you know, I'm only flesh and blood, right? Sure. I'm only flesh and blood. And of course, I I, I work with clients and I uh, therapeutically, I, especially when they're in a situation where their spouse is, is dying and, you know, trying to tell someone that they need to embrace it is quite difficult for me. Because I could know, I know as, as if it were yesterday, about 20 years ago, I went for a, um, a, a breast um, analysis or, or examination mm-hmm. where there was a mass, they found a mass. And I, that night, I went home, then they had to take a, a, a syringe and, you know, see what it was. That night, I was crying to my mother, you know, I was calling my mother who was no longer around. But, you know, I was, I was scared, you know. I was really scared. And of course it wasn't anything but when you're there then you reason about it. You know, I can't say I said, well, I have to say though. I'm such a happy person because I've done so many so many things that I could, you know, sign on the dotted line. I can go today. That's that's okay. Just, you know, I'll go. And and I would be happy. Um and I was I, I often think how would I like my how would I like myself? me on a dying bed with my children next to me, what would I say to them? And I'd have to say, don't worry, just be happy. I'm all right. I know I'm okay. And that's what I'm I'm obviously going to do. But, um, and I hope it's you know, after a hundred years, what? then I'll be able to say it. Because if I got this far, I'm sure I'll make it there.
0: Oh, it's. I mean, lifespan's changing all the time. I mean, if we look even yeah. even in the '70s, it was like your lifespan average they were saying was like yeah. the '60s, your '60s, early '60s, and now if we yeah. look at it, it's '80s, '90s. I can't well, imagine. there is.
1: Well, you know, of course, you have to understand i'm i'm a person who doesn't have pain i have pain nowhere i never have pain wow. ever ever knock on do you wood. do yoga I have pain that's a dirty word that's a four-letter word for me <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm sorry all of you yoga fans out there i hate yoga <laughs> no that's i mean totally i'm the okay. kind of person i'm a runner i was a long distance runner i swim Hell now the yes. pool's closed but that's uh, that's that's for me but but you know i, I there there's um There are things, well, I work with Feldenkrais and Feldenkrais is a certain method that I I don't think we can talk about now, but but, um, the interesting part is that when you, all right, the, the marathon in Rome, right? I was running the marathon in Rome and I'm the kind of runner, you just start and you're slow. You always get there. I never stop. Okay. Mm-hmm. On the finish line, it was the first time I did, I think I did it three or four times. The first, when I was getting near the, the finish line, everybody's so, so tired. And so you band together and you give yourself courage, you know, the men, the women, whoever it is. And I remember distinctly the first time, uh, this first uh, time I did that this man was saying, Oh, I have such pain. Oh, my God, I have such pain in my calf. Oh, my such pain. I felt so bad. And so I said, Wait, come on, I'll help you. Come on, I'll help you. Come on, I'll help you. When we got about um, 100 meters from the finish line, he says, No, go, come on, get your time and go, go, go. And I, and he says, I'll be okay, I won't fall. You know, and I felt so bad this this man who, who probably started with a super sprint and didn't know how to gauge his I don't know what it was. I felt so, so bad. The idea is that if you do have pain, you, you should never have pain, whether you're young or old. Mm. And if you do, there's there's a problem, obviously. But there is a problem not only in that moment; it's something that goes way, way back. So if you start now at your age, say you're 22, and um, you've got a, a you know a toe is hurting, you know a toe. What's a toe? I've got 10. Why should I worry about one? You know, right? But that toe has symbolic meaning. And it will tell you that that toe is lining up with a certain uh, area of your body, and it has, the symbolic meaning can be uh, very valuable to you if you understand what it's about, you know. Mm. And um, th- there are a lot of those things that you don't have to be Einstein to know because pain is is objective. Well, it is subjective, but when you feel, I have a very low tolerance for pain. That's why I have no tattoos because (laughs) I I don't, I can't bear the thought of going and getting something, you know, pinning in my body. I can't think of that. But, 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 you know, I do believe that your health can be accompanied with your intelligence. In if if you're under if you're aware of your body, where exactly that's coming from? Why is my voice? like this today you know it's surely just a voice but it's from way uh you know down yonder it's coming from something it's coming from an emotion it's coming from something and mm. and if you're able to do that uh, all the time that you know you can come up with me with the hundred year old group and that that'll be you know in the club
0: <laughs> fantastic yeah
1: yeah Live so to i hundred.
0: There's one question that I ask every single guest I have on, mm-hmm. it, and that yeah. is: If you were young, if you're listening to this and you're old, yeah. uh, and you maybe you're going through a midlife crisis, maybe you're just exploring what you want your life to be. What is yeah. one piece of advice that you have for that person that's listening from the life experience that you've had thus far?
1: Who's talking? The young one giving the advice to the old one, or no, the old one
0: giving, giving to the advice young one? to anyone? So, I, w- some advice that could be applicable whether you're young or old.
1: Well, be very sensitive to your re- own reactions um, and not the reactions of others to you. Being, be very aware of how you feel, when you feel, who you feel with, what does it cause, and then explore that. Because when you explore that, you'll understand it. All you need to know about yourself. And you know, if somebody gives me the heebie-jeebies and I feel sick, the answer is right there. You don't have to go to a psychiatrist, you know, I mean, I, that's, get rid of the guy or, you know, get rid of that person. Don't go near that person. You know, sure. there, there, there's, you have to know, you you have to read your reactions. You have to be able to read your um, senses, be sensitive, as sensitive as you can being aware. I don't want to use that word mindful. That doesn't it goes with yoga, <laughs> But, but, you know, being being very aware of, of, of where your bones are, where the sound is coming from, you that work with the voice, especially, you know that there's some, you know how to carry it, you know how to move it. And, um, and that will give you a product that's far superior than without knowing where it came from or where it comes from. Um, and of course, obviously we're humans and we can't know everything, but there's, I can s- safely say that you can know about yourself if not a hundred percent, ninety-nine percent, you know, and uh, you could start there. If you start with that with yourself, it's easier to understand other people uh, and and be more tolerant, you know.
0: I love that. Yeah, I think that being aware is is such a good last note to end us off here. And I want to thank you so yeah. much for your time oh, today thank you. and sharing thank your you wisdom. For this, this has been
1: beautiful conversation. Yes,
0: it's been it's been so. uh, Enjoyable. It's been. I've been very oh, observant. Too, one thing. Too. One thing that I've taken away heavily, I would say, was mm-hmm. um, just your ability to be cognitively aware, so much like a scientist, of every aspect of your life, from how your oh, body's how feeling, interesting it, that things you that you're that, visualizing that you that around you. But mm-hmm. it's it's really beautiful sentiment to to leave oh, us off nice. with. And uh, yeah. I want to give Great. you an opportunity before we finish up here for anyone who's listening, plug anything that you want to plug right now. Oh, I'm not a plugger.
1: I'm not a plugger, But um, I have a couple of websites my youtube channel is www.christelle with two l's e martinette two t's and an e.com and uh, my author website is my name www.claudiamonicelli.com i'll be coming out with a book but it's too early to give the title yet okay so i do have the title but i won't (laughs) <laughs> that'll be another time <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll
0: keep that one in the loop i'll let people know yeah. once that comes yeah. out
1: <laughs> thank you chad thanks cool. a lot
0: of course thank you